we are talking about Jesus, the Good Shepherd. As we started the book of John, we have seen Jesus being portrayed as many different things. He starts out being the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Uh, then he becomes the living water when he talks to the woman at the well. Later on, we see Jesus as the healer to the young man who is sitting by the pool waiting for it to be stirred, and he heals him. Then we come on down in, and we see Jesus as the bread of life when he breaks the bread and he feeds 5,000 people that are sitting there. He, he tells that he is the bread of life. And then when he's in the temple celebrating the Feast of the Booze, he calls himself the light of the world. And he shows himself as being the light of the world. In chapter 10, he introduces himself as the good shepherd. Now why is this important? Because you go back all the way back into the Old Testament to the book of Genesis, and the Messiah has always been called the shepherd, the good shepherd. In Genesis chapter 49, verse 24, it says, when he's talking to uh, Joseph here, not Joseph, excuse me, Jacob is blessing his sons, and he says this, but his bow remained firm, and his arms were agile, and from the hands of the mighty one of God, mighty one of Jacob, from there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. So all the way back in Genesis, the Messiah is called the shepherd. And of course, most of us know the, the one that we've, many of us have memorized, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But in Ezekiel, Ezekiel tells us of who this shepherd is, and this is actually looking at the thousand-year reign of Christ. And look what he says, Ezekiel talks about Jesus. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out, as a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep. So I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on the cloudy and gloomy day. The cloudy and gloomy day kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? And God says, what? He says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to take care of all of my sheep in the midst of the storm. Boy, if you've ever been in the midst of a storm, don't you, don't you wish you had your, your good shepherd right there with you to pick you up and carry you? In Isaiah, he, in chapter 40, he says, Behold, the Lord God will come with might and with his arm ruling for him. For him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock in his arm he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. It's lambing season. Anybody, anybody have lambs around there anywhere nearby? I, I get to drive by and we got a number of farms that have right now that have 
the lambs that are lambing. And I, you just look at these little, little bitty guys and you're wondering, how in the world do they ever survive? But look at what he talks about. He says he gathers them into his bosom. And you know what? If you take a lamb away from a ewe, you know what she's going to do? She's going to follow you. She's going to follow that little lamb, right? That's her lamb. But the good shepherd's got him. And, and so he's talking about this. And even in the New Testament, over in Hebrews, they confirm this. Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Not only was he the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, he is the shepherd who guides us. And then 1 Peter talks about, uh, talks about the chief shepherd. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. What's he talking about? When's the chief shepherd going to appear? Second coming, right? There's going to come a day when Jesus is going to come back. And the rapture talks about that, right? He's going to come back in the air and he's going to blow the trumpet. And he's going to call our names. And we're going to go up. And it says, we're, we're going to get crowns. Do you want, are you ready for your crown? You know, we'll be, we'll be having a pageant, right? But you know what we do with all those crowns that we get? We put them down at Jesus' feet. You see, he is the good shepherd. And when we come to John chapter 10, he is going to make a proclamation to the Jews. He's telling them, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. They all know the verses. They've read them. They've probably memorized them. They're looking for the Messiah as the good shepherd. And Jesus is going to stand up and say, I am the good shepherd. Let's look at, at John chapter 10. We'll read the first six verses. Truly I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way. He is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him, because they know his voice. And a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him, because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke of them, for they did not understand what those things were which he was saying to them. As Jesus talks to them, he talks about a sheepfold. Now, this is probably one of those things that we don't understand a lot about. You know, we drive by and we see sheep out in the fields and they're wandering around. And occasionally you'll see folks out there, maybe they've got some sheep dogs rounding them up. More, more likely they've got their four-wheelers out. 
And occasionally they bring them and they move them from place to place. But sheep were an important part of all of Israel. Because everybody had a few sheep. Because sheep provide a couple things. They provide milk. They provide lambs. They provide wool. All of these things were things. So, so a lot of people would have maybe a dozen or so sheep. And during the day, somebody would go out, the shepherd would go out with their sheep, and they would feed out in the hillside. And then at night, they would bring them to the sheepfold. Now, what in the world is a sheepfold? Well, I want to show you a picture. This is an actual sheepfold that you can go, it's up near En Gedi, in Israel today. So a sheepfold was someplace that all the people from the village, <coughs> they would bring their sheep in. And each shepherd would come in, and there would usually be uh, one of the shepherds sitting at the door. And he'd bring his sheep in at night. And they'd come into the sheepfold. And there would be maybe six, eight different shepherds would bring their sheep in. And then one shepherd would stay and guard the door. And everybody else would get to go home and sleep. And then in the morning, the shepherd comes back out. And you know what he does? He calls them by name. Fran, come here. Judy, come here. Alan, come here. He calls them by name. And they hear his voice. That's the, fir the first thing I want you to catch from this is that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. The sheep knows the shepherd's voice. You know when the gospel is being preached. I mean, what better explanation do we have than little Cadence, who understood that the pastor Ben preaches from the word, and he hears the word, and he makes that association. We know the shepherd's voice. And he, and he talks about these thieves and their robbers. Now, thieves and robbers, what do they do? Well, thieves, how do thieves work? By de, they steal, usually by deception. You know, shoplifters, people who come in the middle of the light and steal your catalytic converter. We've, been, we've experienced that a lot. You know, they steal, they're by deception. They, they move around at night, and, and robbers... Robbers take things by force. You know, they're the bullies on the, on the playground. Give me your milk money. They take, somebody, they take it by force. And Jesus says, they don't come through the door. They, they sneak over the fence. They try to get in to the sheepfold. But the sheep don't listen to them. They're a stranger. And the devil does that. The devil sends sends us messages. The, the devil tries to get us by deception. Sometimes by force. Oh, you did that. You did this over here when you were younger. God doesn't love you. Anybody had that ever spoken to you? Yeah. Yeah, God can't love you because you did this. You did that. But, but what happens when the, when the shepherd shows up? Come on. Where does the shepherd take them? Does he leave them in the sheepfold? No. 
the shepherd, the good shepherd, leads us outside. You see, it's really, it's really nice to come to church, right? Because it's safe. We, the people believe what we believe. They look like us for the most part. And most of them are pretty good people. Right? It's comfortable inside. But what happens when the sheep just stay in the sheepfold? They starve to death. They die of thirst. If one has a disease, they all catch it. So the shepherd comes to the sheepfold. And he calls the sheep, come on out. And he, when he gets them all out, notice it said what? And then he leads them. He leads them out of the sheepfold. He takes them to places where they can eat, where they can he can go around, and, and one of the beautiful things about shepherds is, you know, they're constantly watching their sheep. And they can tell when one has a problem. I mean, they'll see just a little raise or maybe a red spot. And, and they will get out their horn of oil. And they'll anoint, their, anoint them with oil. You know, it says that, the, it says that uh, in... In Psalms 23, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Have you ever thought why that is? When they go into the sheepfold, he holds his rod. So they pass under it. And he can feel if there's any, anything in their wool on their back that's bothering them. And that's also the way he counts them as he puts them in. How does he know that there's one missing? He counts them as they come in. But he takes us, he leads us outside. Ephesians 2, 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. What does that mean? You, you, you're not doing a lot of walking in the sheepfold. You're doing a lot of sitting in the sheepfold. There's not a lot of room in there. So everybody just gets comfortable. They get in, I call it the holy huddle. Right? We just, it's very comfortable there. But when God says he, he brings us out, he created us for good works. Not that it's for salvation, folks. Don't think that for a moment. This is because of how much we love him. And he says, but God prepared beforehand so that we can walk in him. Do you see what that says? God goes before us. He goes before your day. When you get up in the morning, do you pray, God, lead me where you want me to go today. Put me in places where I can minister to people. I, I love it. You know, God will, will, will wake me up and he'll say, all right, today you need to call so-and-so. And, and I love those, those little Holy Spirit nudges. Call them up. Oh, man, I, I need prayer for this. This is, going, this is what's going on in my life. He's prepared that beforehand for us to walk in it 
not for us to stay in our little holy huddle. He leads us outside. Well, let's look at the next thing that he talks about because he changes things just a little bit different. Not only is he the good shepherd, he's the door to the sheepfold. Look what he says in, in 10 verses 7 through 18. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he's not the owner of the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and is not concerned with the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice. And they will become one, one flock with one shepherd. For the reason the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Jesus tells us that he is the door to the sheepfold. He's the door. He's the way to get in. Not anybody can get in there. That's the, he's the one. And Jesus said what in John 14? He said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He says, I'm the way in. He is the one who allows you into the sheepfold into his promises, into the abundant life he talks about. And once again, when he talks about the abundant life, where does that take place? It takes place outside the sheepfold. Psalms 23. Have you ever thought about this when you, when you read it? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down where? Green pastures. Did you see any green pastures in the sheepfold? Where are the green pastures? They're outside. He leads me beside the quiet waters. Where are the quiet waters? They're outside. You don't have water running through the middle of the sheepfold. You'd have a big old mud patch, wouldn't you? 
He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness, right? Where are the righteous paths? They're not in the sheepfold. It's just, there's just tracks everywhere in the sheepfold. To get on the righteous path, what do you have to do? You have to be outside the sheepfold. Even though I walk the valley of the shadow of death. Where's the valley of the shadow of death? It's outside the sheepfold. And it's not very fun. The valley of the shadow of death was a ravine that ran between Jerusalem and Jericho. And the robbers used to set up in the hillsides and they would wait for them to come through the valley of the shadow of death. Now it was a shortcut. And once you got in it, you either had to go out the other end or go back the way you came. Kind of tells you about trying to take shortcuts in life, doesn't it? God calls us to do what? He calls us to walk in the righteous path. But if you get in the valley of the shadow of death, who's with you? The good shepherd is with you. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Are the enemies inside the sheepfold? Well, some of you might say there are, but, but they shouldn't be, right? He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He, he says, it's okay to be outside, to be around those who don't think like you, those who don't believe in Jesus Christ, because guess what? You have an opportunity to tell them about the door. You have a, the, the opportunity to tell them about the way, the truth, and the life. Come with me. Let me introduce you to my good shepherd. He'll take you into, my, into our flock. The abundant life is always outside the sheepfold. That's where God blesses us. Yes, he blesses us here, but if you, wanna, if you want God to, to work through you, just get outside the sheepfold and watch what God does. He will allow you to touch people's lives that you would never have the opportunity to do because they're not coming in. They're out there. And we have the opportunity to bless them. You know, I, I love doing, you know, they talk about random acts of kindness. It's so much fun just to bless people and just say, God told me to bless you. Here, let me pay for your breakfast. And, and you watch what the people go, huh? And, and pretty soon they say, who's that guy? Oh, that, that's one of the elders over at East Side. That's, that, you know, he, he comes in here all the time. He's, he's, you know, one of those God, people that believes in God. Well, not only does it talk about the abundant life, it says that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Did you catch how many times he said that in this little short passage? Three times. Three times he said, the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's talking about the cross. And when he gets to the end of it, what does he say? He says, not only do I lay my life down, but 
The Father has told me that, that I, I will lay my life down, but I will take it up again. I will be resurrected. We saw that on Easter Sunday morning, didn't he? he God gave Jesus, hung on the cross, and he died. And three days later, he rose again. He took his life up again. He lays down his life for the sheep. Now, verse 16 has something kind of interesting in it. Did anybody catch that? I have other sheep. Whoa! Which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Sheep that are outside the sheepfold? What's he talking about? The Gentiles, isn't he? Because who was he talking to? He was talking to the Jewish people. He said, I have a covenant with you all the way back to the book of Genesis where I'm first mentioned as the shepherd. I have a covenant with Israel. And, I have, and they're in one sheepfold. He says, but I have others. That's us. We're the, we're the Gentiles that, that he, is, he has not yet at this point gone to the cross. But he says, you know what? I'm going to bring them too, and we're going to be one shepherd. You're going to have one shepherd. Isn't that wonderful? When we get to the when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, have you ever thought what it's going to be like? Are they going to have, this is the Christian church section over here, and over here is the Pentecostal section. Please be quiet. Don't disturb the Protestants. Yeah. Right? We got, we, got, we got the Mennonites over it. Do you think the Jewish people are all over here? That's not the way it's going to work, folks. We're going to have one shepherd. We're all going to be together. So, so we might as well be, be those who say, hey, if you believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, we're good. We're going to, in September, September 17th, the Convoy of Hope is coming. We're going to have a Day of Hope here in Albany. And we're going to have churches from all over Albany that are going to be participating in this. We're going to be part of that. And we're going to have the opportunity to say, you know what? It really doesn't matter what the name is over the top of our door. What matters is that Jesus Christ is our Lord. And we're here to serve our community. God calls us together he will be one shepherd. Well, let's, let's move quickly now. Let's do 22 through 30 and see what Jesus talks about next. And at the time of the feast of dedication took place in Jerusalem, it was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. And Jews gathered around him and were saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you didn't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify to me. But you do not believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of, my father's, out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one will be able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. 
I and my Father are one. And boy, if that didn't cause an issue, it says that they picked up stones to stone him. You ever seen the commercial? You're in good hands with? You guys watch way too much TV. You're in good hands with God. You're in good hands with God. You see, he, he, tells, he tells them, you're not sheep because you don't believe what's right before your eyes. All the miracles that he did. I mean, every time that he heals somebody, they're going, oh, you did that on the Sabbath day, that's wrong. This poor guy was blind from birth. And I healed him. You missed it. Who's the blind one? He says, this guy was lame for 38 years, laying beside the pool. I healed him. You missed it. Who's the lame one now? But then he says, the good sheep know my voice. And I love this picture. Did you catch what it said in verse 28? I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. When you get saved, Jesus puts you in the palm of his hand. He has you right there. And he says, you will not perish. You will have eternal life. If anybody ever told you that, oh, well, you know, you can lose your salvation if you, if you don't live, it up, live up to what God says. If you don't do this, you don't do that. No, sir. What does it say? If you're his sheep, you're in the palm of his hand, and no one can snatch you out of, his, out of Jesus' hand. Now watch what happens next. Look at verse 29. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Oh, Jesus said, I have you in my hand. And then what does he say? You're in the Father's hand. Nobody can get to you. You ever, you ever go out and catch stuff out? We have four acres we have a little stream that goes through. And my granddaughter loves to go out and we, we'll go frog hunting or occasionally we'll find newts or we'll find, uh, you know, whatever it is that's wandering around. And you know what she does? She goes just like this. And she carries it around and she grosses grandma out. Because <laughs> she'll go like this. She says, you want to see? But if you're not careful, what happens? The, you know. But he says, you know what? My father never moves his hand. He's got you covered. And nobody, nobody can take you out of my father's hands. Nobody can take you out of my hand. You are safe. You are secure. Nobody, nobody, nobody can get to you. Romans chapter 8 tells us this. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, 
or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Kind of reminds you of what kind of name of Jesus do you need? Uh, Some of us may be in tribulation. Some of us may be in distress. Some of us may be being persecuted for, for our Christian belief in our workplace or maybe even in our family. Famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Go to Ukraine today. Do you think they understand what this means? Famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? They understand that. He said, none of that can touch you. Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep for the slaughter. That sheep that God loves. That other people, that, that, that the world wants to slaughter. Look what he says. But in all, underline that, circle it. Put a big, big arrows. In all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, can I have an amen? Amen, because each one of us are in here somewhere. Every one of us are in here somewhere. Some of us are, some folks maybe have facing death. You're looking at a loved one who may be dying. I did a funeral just this Friday for a family whose mother had died. One of the daughters, her husband, had died a month before. And so I just, I said, they, they, don't, they don't have a church. And I said, listen, we, we, have, a, we have a grief books that, that we send out. Let me, let me get you, give that to you so that you can at least have some comfort for what you're going through. <laughs> nor life. Nor life. Have you, so does life kind of get you sometimes? You know, I hear people say, I'm tired of adulting, right? Sometimes life kind of gets you, gets you. He says, not even when we go into the angels or, or principalities, the demons, nor things present, nor things to come, or even things in the past. God paid for things in the past for you. You don't have to keep beating yourself up with those things. He says, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's his promise. That's the good shepherd. The good shepherd loves you that much. That he died. He laid down his life for you to take care of all of these things. Whatever it is in your life right now. And he did it on the cross. And when we come to to the communion we come to realize that Jesus paid it all. You know the song. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. 
Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. You see, that's what the cross was all about. He said, you, you're, you're stuck. Your wages of death, your wages of sin is death. You're stuck, but I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to pay the price on the cross. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat. My body, which will be broken on the cross, is broken for you. And he said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. For the remission of sin, to take care of your sin. So you don't have to pay that price. Jesus paid it for you on the cross. 